Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So we have a show for you today. We finish up our off-season review with fantasy football superlatives, our favorite moves, least favorite moves, underrated moves, and more. All right here on the Breakout Football Podcast on the Bleed Podcast Network, sponsored by Link Me. I'm Zach Cohen of the Draft Network, alongside the altruistic Cole Topham of Chargers Wire. And once again, we're not alone. We have a very special guest. It's been a long time coming. So happy we can finally get him on the show. He's a contributor for Roto Ballers. Please welcome Sam Wagman. Sam, like I said, we are so happy to finally get you on the show. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. It, you know, it has been a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm glad to be able to collaborate with both of you two. Yeah, it should be fun. So before I run it through exactly what we'll be doing today, got to give a chance for my co-host Cole to speak. Sometimes I feel like I love the sound of my voice too much. Cole, my man, what's going on? Uh, it's it's going for sure, Zach. No, you have an amazing voice. What are you talking about? What are you we, talking about? That was one of the reasons why I partnered to do this show is to, to hear your lovely voice every single episode. So no, but I appreciate the shouts. Uh, yeah, just got back from a hectic day of Arizona State spring practice. So mm. we're rolling. But obviously, this is the highlight of my day. So I got to make time for my boys right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't have said it any better myself. And with that, quick rundown before we get into a loaded show. We have four superlatives. Uh, Sam, we love superlatives on this show throughout the whole season. We'll do them for every single weekly recap. But we have only four today. But with it, I guess 12 moves technically that we'll be looking at. Maybe we'll repeat a move looking at different angles. We have our favorite moves the most underrated fantasy impact, the biggest head scratcher, and our least favorite move. So Sam, as our beloved guest, why don't you kick things off with your superlative for favorite move? What move makes you more excited to draft a certain player, essentially? So I really I really struggled on this one. I had two that I really loved. Uh, I de- as being a big Cortland Sutton fan, uh, I fell in love with the decision to trade for Russell Wilson as it drastically increases his, you know, expected production for 2022. You know, we've seen this guy go over a thousand yards receiving in his sophomore season with Drew Locke, Brandon Allen, and Joe Flacco throwing in the ball. What does it look like when he gets perennial, you know, all pro and future Hall of Famer Russell Wilson throwing him the football, the guy that can throw the deep ball to anywhere on the field. So, you know, Cortland Sutton is a guy that's going to take a huge step forward for me. He's a true alpha for this team, you know, in the mold of what DK Metcalf was for the Seahawks. You know, we're not saying he's going to put up the same kind of numbers. We're not saying he has DK's freak athleticism and running down people with, you know, 4-3 speed. But, you know, Cortland Sutton can stretch the field. He's a great deep threat receiver. He can run after the catch and he can make guys miss. That's exactly what he did in 2019. It's exactly what I expect him to do this season. I'm putting him for a breakout season. I think he's going to be in that upper echelon of wide receiver twos this year. Mm -hmm. People will hopefully remember 
Cortland Sutton after this season. He looked pretty darn good, obviously, health issues aside, and then he was locked into the cataclysmic era of Drew Locke in Denver. So I would say I think I'm with you on that one, too. Cole, your favorite move and what the fantasy impact could be after this whirlwind of an offseason. Yeah, for me, it's one of those moves that, you know, didn't really shock the planet at all. And I think that's a good thing because, you know, one of the best things you can buy in fantasy, aside from a, a player's monster ceiling, is consistency, right? And Tampa Bay, Godwin, it's just a perfect match, a perfect marriage, and they get to continue that on a, you know, a new three-year deal. And so for me, especially with Tom Brady returning for another season, it's like, okay, so if we're looking at all the other potential destinations Godwin could have gone this, you know, this free agency offseason, and there were a lot of them. There are a lot of teams that were vying for his talents. You know, that's kind of a toss-up of whether or not his production is going to stay the same. With Chris Godwin, I know what type of player I'm going to get in Tampa Bay. I know he's going to receive a, a huge target share. I know he's going to be a stable part of that offense. And so for me, like seeing Godwin stay put is honestly makes me more excited to draft him, you know, this season, if he had gone to another team in the off season. So that's why I think it's a, it's a huge win for, you know, Godwin, Godwin dynasty managers. It's a huge win for uh, people looking to draft Godwin in, in the coming months here. So for me, his destination didn't change, but if he had gone somewhere else, I would have been a little bit more off the, the Godwin bandwagon. Mm hmm. Well, I guess we're all talking about wide receivers right now because my favorite move is the Raiders' standpoint on the Devontae Adams trade, but not about Devontae Adams. I think my favorite move, the impact of it, is how the Adams deal will impact Derek Carr. And look, obviously, Adams wasn't the only big-name wide receiver to change teams, most notably Tyreek Hills on the Dolphins. I could have talked about them. But I think the guy that's going to get the biggest boost could, in fact, be Carr. Last season, people kind of seemed to forget. He was a borderline quarterback one in some weeks. He had a little bit of a weak stretch uh, towards the middle of the season. But he did finish as the overall quarterback 14, of course, in points per game. That dips a little bit, but to bring in not just one of the best receivers of the past few years, but someone he should still hopefully maybe possibly have chemistry with from his days playing in college together. I think Carr suddenly could make a way into the conversation of being a borderline quarterback one going into fantasy drafts for this upcoming season. So I love the Adams move for the Raiders. For Adams' fantasy value, maybe not as much, but for Derek Carr, oh my gosh, Derek Carr to the moon. We're going to ride him to the moon. So those were our favorite moves. Now we can talk a little bit more about some moves that we liked and honestly are a little bit underrated in terms of the fantasy impact they'll have. Cole, you just talked about Chris Godwin. So why don't we talk about one of his new teammates, or at least we'll let Sam do the honor. Sam, why is this particular move so underrated from a fantasy standpoint for you? Now, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of this player, but when does Russell Gage, when is he going to get the love that he deserves? He, you know, he put up great numbers in the second half of last season with basically nobody available in in Atlanta except for Kyle Pitts so you have Kyle Pitts literally being bracketed on almost every play that he played last season 
while teams, you know, stretch the field to double double cover him. You got Russell Russell Gage running across the middle, virtually unchecked, and putting up numbers there. Now he signed in Tampa Bay. Uh, wh- what we think is probably going to happen is while Godwin recovers from his ACL tear, there's no true reason to rush him back while you have Russell Gage in the fold there, who's a very capable slot weapon and can operate out of there. And uh, look. Tom Brady coming back puts this move into focus. The Buccaneers are clearly going back into win now mode, you know, signing Gage to complement this wide receiver group. You still have Mike Evans there. Gronk's been non-committal. I'd probably swing to not returning at this point, given what he said yesterday about not being able to commit to football, which puts, you know, Cameron Brait there, not as good as Gronk. Uh, OJ Howard is obviously gone. So Russell Gage should have a very good role in this offense as probably the third option to kick off the season behind Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette as, you know, in this passing volume. So there is no doubt that he can get a ton of volume from Tom Brady. Brady loves the slot guys. Usually like some white, but, you know, <laughs> you know, we'll get, get, we'll get Gage here. He's a very competent weapon for Brady. I think he can put up some consistent wide receiver two back-end wide receiver three numbers on a weekly basis. Sam, when I saw you had Russell Gage written on the pre-draft, uh, the pre-show notes, I was ecstatic. This has been a very pro-Russell Gage podcast. I do have a question for you, though, because uh, when Godwin does come back, you know, the Evans, Godwin, and Gage, do you think this could be an offense that can still sustain three fantasy-relevant receivers, or is it going to be a pick-your-poison type of situation, at least from a fantasy perspective, when all three, if all three, are healthy? As long as Tom Brady is there, this offense can support three, four. Hell, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't <laughs> even go, go out of my mind and say five receivers in this offense. Tom Brady, like he likes to spread the ball around. We saw him do it with Evans. Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin uh, last season, all three were in the top, you know, uh, 15 in fantasy points per game last year. So uh, obviously Antonio Brown is touched in the head, you know, and decided to quit on quit the team midway through the third quarter of the season. But it, you know, regardless, I think there's enough room. Uh, the question remains how they'll how the they'll line up since uh, you know I think they'll probably lean to Godwin on the outside. Gage is a little bit smaller. Godwin's a mm-hmm. little bit bigger. He can probably handle that press man coverage on the outside a little better than Gage would be able to. But I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to still see Gage put up decent numbers once Godwin comes back from that ACL. Well, there you have it, straight from Swagman ninety five on Twitter. By the way, probably the coolest combo of names ever when i was younger and i would uh like create players in madden like madden 06 madden 07 i would try to like make funny names so like i would totally probably have had like uh, s dot wagman there just to make something something cool like that because that's epic we, we're just z cohen and c top them so we don't have <laughs> that type of of wording in our full names uh but back to some fantasy football here on the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me cole i think you got another receiver on tap for us for your most underrated fantasy impact i do we're talking wide receivers all day at least from me but uh my next player is a player that you know i haven't wavered in belief i just think he's had a lot of variables working against him whether it's his health 
um, the success of the offense, uh, internal matters like Urban Meyer. That's a pretty big one. Um, and now he just gets out of that situation into a new one that he feels like is going to, you know, fit him better. And that's what he said, uh, you know, in an interview talking about his decision to go to the Lions when he had multiple offers for multiple years and a little bit more, you know, security on a long-term contract. And he went to the Lions because he kept up with them because the Jaguars and Lions were fighting, you know, towards the bottom of the NFL in terms of the record. And so he was watching them closely to see like he would, you know, end up worse. And he saw a Lions team that had more hustle, more grit, um, just a better path to perseverance than his Jacksonville squad. And so that just kind of shows you like, this is a player with a chip on his shoulder. He's ready to get back to his year two pro bowler, 1000 yard season. And the Lions will be able you know, to allow him to do that. He doesn't have to be the number one guy anymore. He has Amon Ross St. Brown in the slot that he can, he can bounce off of. You know, the offense is going to be, you know, a lot more open. He's going to be a lot more free. He's not going to be restricted to an outside burner role anymore. Like it was in Jacksonville. I think the Lions are going to be able to get creative with Chark a lot. And he's also probably going to be going for, for chump change in drafts. Um, I, I don't have any ADP numbers, with me at the moment and I tried searching for for some just now but I think it's a little bit too preliminary in the fantasy football process to get those hard numbers yet but I would expect chart to be pretty cheap you know a, a bench stash definitely not in your your top three wide receivers that you're going to pick up on draft day so Charky could be a steal um, when that day comes we could be talking about a huge bounce back from Chark. I think that's kind of been the theme, at least, of our most underrated uh, superlatives here. It was like, can this guy bounce back in a system that may not be the best from a fantasy perspective, but at the same time, it's a player who could actually just be really talented. So that's more or less the theme of my next superlative for the most underrated fantasy impact. I think people kind of forgot about Auden Tate, honestly. And I don't blame them, but the Falcons signing him, suddenly Sam's nodding his head emphatically right now. I'm a big Auden Tate fan, man. I, I loved him in college. He has not been able to really stay healthy. He's never played a full season. He's been on season-ending IR twice, including last season. He also only has two career touchdown passes, but one, you have some. you had some time to really rest, hopefully get healthy. Two, Auden Tate is arguably the best pure receiver in Atlanta. You could say Cordero Patterson is, you could say Kyle Pitts is, I wouldn't argue against you really, but for Tate to go there and yeah, could the Falcons easily draft five, six receivers in the upcoming draft? Of course they could, but in all likelihood, even if they draft two at this point in time, we don't know what that situation will be like. I love that Tate could be, a big part of that offense next season. He's someone not only would I like to add on my best ball teams, but potentially depending on how the draft goes, I could want him in redraft as well. So that was our favorite moves, our most underrated fantasy moves of the offseason so far. Now we got we got to get a little more negative, some head scratchers, some least favorite moves. But before we do, 
quick quick word from our beloved sponsor link me l-i-n-k-m-e they are not only one of the world's fastest growing social media apps but they're a link sharing app as well you can have all your content on one single page to show and send to whoever you want you even get a fancy little qr code as well that you can share with other people and bang they have all your information i'm talking your twitter your venmo your playstation card your myspace your linkedin your podcast too all on link me go download it today on whatever app platform you use l-i-n-k-m-e all right next superlative we got here on bfp the biggest head scratcher what move makes you scratch your head about a certain player's fantasy impact sam as our guest of course you can go first so uh i i went i went deep for this one and i went all the way back to the first announced move of free agency this offseason which was of course the chase Edmonds signing in miami uh you know, six million dollar deal, giving them some giving them some good money there. You know that that's that's pretty much one A starter money. You know for them. Uh, the problem is I'm not sold that you know they're I'm not sold that he's gonna get enough volume to be their lead guy there, and I'm I'm not sold that the offense is is going to be sustainable for him to score points in this system so you know Edmonds is the type of guy that you build a committee around he's not the type of guy that you hand over you know 150 carries 200 carries and 100 you know 80 targets to in a season he's the kind of guy that you want to have those targets but you know you want him as a change of pace guy and they went ahead and they signed Raheem Mostert there Miles Gaskin is still there um, so, you know, this, this worries me in the fact that everyone has moved Chase Edmonds into their RB2 conversation. And I just don't buy it personally. He's only five, nine. He has a very, you know, very notable injury history as does Mostert. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Miami still drafts a running back in this class. And above all, I just don't see this Miami offense, uh, going, towards the running backs enough to, to where we can see Chase Edmonds pay off at the ADP, which he currently is on underdog at RB 26. It just doesn't make any sense to me. And uh, I'm, I'm worried. I was a big Chase Edmonds fan the last couple of years. I favored him over James Conner cost me a ton of money and a bunch of fantasy championships last year as well. Cause I had no James Conner shares. I have been mocked for it. And so I am now hopping on the Chase Edmonds hate train and will would rather back Raheem Mostert at almost double the ADP. Mm-hmm. We really don't have any idea what that Miami backfield is going to look like. I know Cole and I have talked about maybe the matting like a Damian Pierce, who I'm personally a big fan of a notch because I've watched most of his games in person, <laughs> obviously. Uh, would you entertain Edmonds more in best ball than you would in redraft, considering there may be some weeks where he pops off and some weeks where he just does nothing? Absolutely. Yeah, he yeah he's that he's that kind of guy that can give you those those big pop off weeks. But relying on him as a consistent option on a week to week basis, especially you know if his especially if if he comes out of uh, the draft unscathed in like you know typical terms and where they don't add another running back, his ADP is only going to go higher. And you know that's where I'll be completely off of it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, sticking with the Miami Dolphins, Cole, what has you thinking about Miami right now? What has been a head scratching move for you this offseason that really makes you uncertain about a certain player's fantasy impact? It's not really a head scratcher at the move itself. It's just a head scratching. It's just a head scratcher at how it's going to play out, right? I mean, Sam made a lot of great points about, you know, the Miami backfield and how those touches and those um, looks out of the backfield are going to be divvied up. Well, I have the same questions about the receiving core because on paper, the Tyreek Hill trade makes sense for the Dolphins for to, to go in win now mode in the AFC East, really get the weapons to bring Tua up to par with, you know, all the, all the top offenses in the division. But is that really going to be like the end-all, be-all for Tua? And what is that going to do for the production pie for not only Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle, but also Mike Gusecki as well? So I, I just think there's a lot of like variables here that go into the pie, right? And I'm not necessarily sold that there's going to be like an even target distri- distribution between two players that play a very similar game. And also I, I think that um, Tua has barely shown he can support one wide receiver at, you know, the very top echelon of fantasy drafts. Um, I'm not convinced he can, he can support two. And honestly, I need to see more from Tua to really buy into, you know, an even target distribution between these, these two very similar players. Off the top of your head, I know we've seen Tyreek Hill be a top wide receiver for the past few seasons now. What do you think his his, his best uh, draft slot will be? Do you still see him being a top five receiver? Do you think he'll fall past that, maybe even out of the top ten altogether? Like, What's your perception of Hill right now, that he does have Jalen Waddle to compete with, Mike Kosicki, Cedric Wilson, the running backs that can catch there, and, of course, a quarterback that is nowhere near Patrick Mahomes' level? Yeah, I mean, I think in terms of in terms of volume and players that can wide receivers that we know are possession receivers, I think it probably does drop Tyreek out of the top five for me, um, and especially the unknown with with Tua if he really is going to take this next step and if he really is going to um, you know jive with Mike McDaniel's vision for this offense. I think it probably does drop him out of the top five for me, um, and obviously Waddle stock is is going to take a hit alongside that in fantasy drafts. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of big receivers that were dealt, I already talked about why I loved the Devontae Adams trade for Derek Carr. Now let's talk about why I don't love the Devontae Adams trade for Adams and, of course, Aaron Rodgers, at least from a fantasy standpoint. Who knows? Adams could go on to win more in Vegas than he will or did in Green Bay. But I'm also just kind of wondering, like, what's this offense going to be? Are they going to be feeding Devontae Adams as often as he was seeing those targets in Green Bay? I don't really think so, especially with the chemistry that Carr's developed with Hunter Renfro last season, Darren Waldler the past three seasons. I'm also curious if Adams can just be a top five receiver. Like, what will this Vegas offense look like? I would much rather have guys that I know can be a number one option in that offense, just like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, um, 
who else off the top of my head? Well, I guess that's really the only two receivers off the top of my head. Clearly got to do some more research on that. But there's also the aspect of how the hell does this impact Aaron Rodgers? Top 10 quarterback in real life? Uh, yeah, he just won back-to-back MVPs. Like, duh. But where should we value him? in terms of being a productive fantasy quarterback each week. We don't know. We really don't know. And look, it's not like he's played every single game with Adams over recent years. So we could look at that data for sure. But until they get a proven receiver, and I know one of our friends, Dave Kluge, has been pounding the table for Alan Lazard, who I did like coming out of college. He hasn't really done much in the NFL. And maybe that's because Green Bay never really favored the wide receiver twos. Who knows? Lazard can come in, be the next Adams for Rodgers. But until we definitively see that happen, I really don't know how to value Aaron Rodgers moving forward. So I don't know. That's not my least favorite move of the offseason, at least from a fantasy standpoint, but it has one. It is one where I'm questioning how to value not just the Raiders receiving group, but also just the entire Packers offense. Our last superlative, though, before we sign off here on the Breakout Football Podcast, simply put, your least favorite move. What move? destroys a player's fantasy value for you or a non-move just a kind of prelude one of your possible superlatives sam what move has you put in your your head in your hands resigning from fantasy football just curling up in a dark ball somewhere well being being one of the admitted antonio gibson stands of fantasy football twitter when i heard that jd mckissick had signed a contract with the bills i was happy because obviously McKissick is a massive target hog for whatever offense he comes in. He's basically a wide receiver, not even a running back at this point. And then I find out a day and a half later that not only is he not signing with the bills, but he's returning to Washington to crush (laughs) my dreams of Antonio Gibson ever becoming a, a RB, a true RB one that he deserves to be because he's just that good. And apparently, apparently the scouts at Washington didn't watch his college tape in which he was literally a wide receiver. So they clearly, they, you know, his pass pro wasn't great in his first couple of seasons. It took a big step up last season, but clearly they still value what JD McKissick does in the two minute drill and enough to give him a competitive contract to what he would have gotten in Buffalo. Now I, what, why, J.D. McKissick decided that he doesn't want to win football games (laughs) beyond me. Can't speak to his mindset, but I do know that this really hurts Antonio Gibson in fantasy football. Uh, I tried to ignore this last year when evaluating the two. I will not make the same mistake again. I had to drop Antonio Gibson out of my top 10 after, after McKissick comes back. Um, Carson Wentz, not a huge check down guy. Uh, does like to pass it to the running backs a little bit more. So we will see what happens there. And uh, hopefully, hopefully Gibson is able to overcome McKissick and I, and I am wrong about this, but uh, I, I'm, I'm not really willing to be stuck behind the eight ball again here. So I am going to drop Antonio Gibson after hearing about that. Not only did that 
sound and seem really painful for you to go through, but I can kind of get that idea. That's what it's going to be like for Washington commanders, running back managers coming into this season. Nothing really, nothing really changed. And you're, you're dead on by the way, why they don't use Gibson Moore as a pass catcher is beyond me considering, like you said, he was literally a wide receiver at Memphis. Like literally, Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Uh, Let's continue this therapy session though. Get, get some more feelings off our chest. Cole's already shaking his head, a fantasy move or non move, I guess that really makes you upset. I think we talked about this last week. So I'm also going to go four for four on wide receivers, this podcast episode, but I mean, this one is just, it's brutal. It's DJ Moore willingly signing an extension with the Panthers <laughs> to stay in Carolina and catch passes from Sam Darnold this season and whoever they're going to draft and man the offense in the following two seasons. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense for me. Like, and also, like, DJ Moore, his potential as a wide receiver one, a, a true possession receiver with possibly a better quarterback throwing to him. All those dreams just washed away. He had 25 catches, more catches this season than he did in 2020 and still scored less or still accumulated less yards and only scored four touchdowns. This dude isn't like Sam Darnold isn't going to make him a red zone threat. Um, no, no quarterback in Carolina is going to make him a red zone threat. And for that reason, like it's just is preventing DJ Moore from reaching that top echelon of receivers. Um, and so when you're drafting him as your wide receiver too, there's really no hope for him to surpass that mark. Like you, you know what you're getting and either he's going to meet that quota or he's going to score something below it. And to me, that's just really disappointing as, as a player who you, you know, his ceiling and you're not excited at the prospect of him even beating that ceiling. Yeah, I would completely agree. Sam, are you also a DJ Moore proponent? We've been so upset with his lack of, I don't want to say success, because he's actually been very successful, but I guess he's lack of been help. Consistent. He's so good. Yep. And he he gets so disrespected because of who's throwing him the football. <laughs> and it's so unfair. And I really just want to see him like succeed with like an actual good quarterback who can like get him the ball enough to where he's not like, like people think people look at his four touchdowns averaged per season in the last three years as like a big detraction. And it is, but look, who's been throwing him the football cam Newton can't throw Sam Darnold sees ghosts. I mean, (laughs) you know, this is just a, a bad, bad group. So, I mean, I, I, I like DJ Moore. I can't draft him because I know who's throwing him the football. At the same time, I don't know who's throwing him the football. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's tough. It, it really is tough for me to get behind DJ Moore. The talent is great. If like, like Cole said, if he had gone somewhere else, he'd be a, an easy top 12 option for me. Mm-hmm. But he, he's like in that, he's in like that middle wide receiver two range even though he puts up 1,100 yards a season just because you have no consistency with who's throwing him the football. And even if there is consistency, you know they're not good. Mm-hmm. You know who could use a good quarterback right about now? DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Where could they you ever find – Drew Locke is not a good quarterback? I'm uh, sorry. Maybe he's a future <laughs> Hall of Famer still. <laughs> uh, I saw him at a golf tournament a few years ago. Oh, did he miss every shot that he took too? (laughs) 
But yeah, look, I have been a Tyler Lockett fan since his second, third year at Kansas State. Like, I was like, this guy could be the next Antonio Brown. So to see him have success in Seattle, I- I'm going to pat myself on the back here. Like, I, I wasn't too surprised. Uh, DK Metcalf, I know a lot of my colleagues at the Draft Network were pretty high on him, too. And just to see how promising they are together in an NFL offense, knowing now that they will probably never experience that again, unless Drew Locke does become the next, like, Drew Brees or for some uh, alternate universe option right there. It, it sucks. It sucks. It's my least favorite move, uh, seeing that they go from Russell Wilson to Drew Locke. Maybe, maybe the Seahawks draft a quarterback. But even then, I, I have my reservations. Kenny Pickett's not Russell Wilson. Malik Willis isn't ready yet to start an NFL game. No, no quarterback after him really is either. So unless they could maybe swing a deal for Jimmy Garoppolo within their own division, I really can't see a way where I'm valuing Metcalf or Lockett the same way as I have been the past few years. And honestly, like, I can't make a reason why like you should either. They're so talented. Metcalf is due for an extension. He's could be traded. Like there's still that possibility too. Then we can revisit this. I can have you back on the podcast, Sam, and we can talk about how great it is that DK Metcalf is now catching passes from Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. Who knows? But until then, <laughs> I'm very upset that Metcalf and Lockett are suddenly thrust into the dark corners of fantasy land meanwhile you get receivers like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy whose stocks are going up like you talked about at the beginning of the show Sam so that's kind of where my head's at it felt so good to get that off my chest and with that those were our four superlatives here on the breakout football podcast Sam man we were so happy to have you on like that was a fantastic time with you you're always welcome back here uh, let them know where they could find your work too yeah you guys can always find me on twitter at swagman 95 uh find my written work over at rotoballer and uh new podcast for me personally uh starting next week uh I will be debuting my, me and my friend Jay Arsh, we will be debuting our new football podcast, full off-season NFL draft, fantasy football, best ball, everything called High Floor Football. You'll be able to find that on Twitter, YouTube, everywhere podcasts can be found. Whoa, that's sick. I Did Did you tweet that yet? Yeah. Is it, yeah. Okay, okay, because I probably missed it. That's <laughs> sick. That's awesome. I'm, wow, I'm glad we get to uh, give some of our audience to you too. I'm just kidding. But yeah, that's awesome, <laughs> man. Uh, appreciate having you on as always. Again, if you didn't hear it, at Swagman95, exactly how it's spelled. If you liked or hated really what Cole and I had to say, you can just let us know on all our social media channels too, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, at Ham analysis at zach cohen fb uh until next time yeah this is the show i got nothing else to say this is the breakout football podcast on the believe network sponsored by link me cole kick us off as always yeah i got nothing else to add but this offseason is still ongoing we've got dk metcalf trade rumors still stirring the pot um i mean He's going to the maybe, maybe we'll see him move we'll see, maybe maybe the dynamic duo of Tyler lockett and dk metcalf will be no more next week who knows what the future holds but until then stay locked everybody
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.